Live, statewide, on the Ref Radio Sports Network, it's the T-Row in the Morning Show with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland and T.J. Perry. Spikerman, fly ball into left. That ball's hit well. Back to the warning track, to the wall, and this series starts with a home run. Join in and text the show on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Here's the 3-1. Line drive deep into left field. That ball's rocketed out of here. It's a two-run homer for Peyton Graham. And the Sooners are in front in Lubbock. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Here's the 1-2 to Squires. Fly ball deep left field. If this is fair, it's gone. It is a home run. It's a home run. A two-run shot for Brett Squires, and it's home run derby in Lubbock. Now, live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's the T-Row in the morning show with Toby Rowland and T.J. Perry. Hour two on this Tuesday morning, August 16. Going to be a hot one today, but then this is it for a while, Teach. That's what the experts say. It's going to be 102 degrees today, all right? Tomorrow, high of 83. And that's going to start a stretch for as far as the eye can see on a 14-day forecast anyway of days where we have highs in the 80s or low 90s. So get through today, folks. And we're going to get a break. I even saw uh, something on social media yesterday that said this is this is the end of the summer heat wave. Not that we won't have a day splash up here or there in the future, uh, but the consecutive, you know, hundred degree days and all that kind of stuff. This is today's the last day. So hang in there, Teach. Hang in there, Katie. Out on your walk. Hang in there. What, what's wrong, buddy? I don't like saying goodbye to the hot weather. I thought you were done with it. You've been talking about I'm, how you're done with it. I'm done with the 100-degree stretch, but I'm not done with the hot weather. I'm fine with it staying in the 90s. So 80s is too cold for you? I'm not saying it's too cold for me. I say I'm fine with it staying in the 90s. I'm fine with it in the 80s mm-hmm. or 90s, but I'm, you're confusing. I'm, uh, you're I'm confusing. not ready uh, to let summer go. That's all I'm saying. Hey, before we get into this uh, OU football predictions, I do want to let people know that uh, over the weekend, Plank dropped another classic game on the uh, Sooner Sports podcast, 1975 OU Missouri. And uh, Mike Trepp's on the call. This is an all-timer, one of the most famous calls in OU football history, the Go Joe game. This is when Joe Washington puts the team on his back basically at the end to lead him to victory. Um, so I, I highly recommend it. You're looking to uh, kill some time exercising or driving or uh, just want to spend a couple of hours reminiscing, check out the Sooner Sports Podcast, 1975 OU Missouri game. The radio call of Mike Treps uh, has been posted, so go check it out. It's pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, John Snyder, I believe, was his color analyst for that game. All right, TJ, here we go. Let's make some uh, football predictions. We're 18 days away now, so it's time to get serious about this, TJ. And, uh, boy, you know, the guys in the afternoon, they talk football all the time. 
They never run out of things to talk about uh, with OU football. And we need to do a better job of talking more OU football and less stupid stuff like Big Brother and Doofus Faces and things, DJ. So let's make an effort today to talk a little more OU football. And let's start with how did you find this an easy endeavor or difficult? Uh, Difficult. I so Hmm. difficult that my sheet here has so many names on it, and names like uh, suddenly written in on top of other names that I've got trouble reading what I've got down here. Deciphering your own (laughs) deciphering my own writing and chicken scratch. Yes. Okay, let's start with the uh, running backs. Who will be the leading rusher for this team this year, TJ? My when prediction. When we get done end of the year, who will have the most yards? I'm going Marcus Major. Hmm. Hmm. Do you want to explain With that yourself? one, I've got nothing other than uh, I just think that he's going to be the guy that uh, leads the team in rushing. I don't think it'll be Gray. I don't think it'll be one of the young guys. So that's kind of what led me to Marcus Major. That just seems like the the answer for me. A lot of buzz about Javante Barnes in the spring. Yes. A lot of buzz about Gavin Sawchuck in the fall. Both of them, yeah. Um, Eric Gray, I think, uh, you know, has a chance to be the answer here, depending on how exactly – um, Jeff Levy is going to use his running backs and who he likes and all that kind of stuff. But I agree with you on this one. I think Marcus Major's the guy. That's a gamble. And, and because Ray would have been, been my answer if you would have said all around yards because I think he'll be used in other uh, ways. So total yards because pass right, catching ability right. and all that kind of stuff. I think uh, I think I think this is the breakout year for Marcus Major, and I know we've been saying that for a couple of years now, but. Uh, he looks like a monster. He's had some big days, I know, already in the fall. Uh, he's coming off a, a big bowl game appearance again. And, um, yeah, I think he's going to become the feature go-to back. He's going to have to hang on to the football and know his blocking assignments and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's a breakout year. I agree with you. We agree on this one, TJ. Marcus Major will be the leading rusher for this team this year. Okay. Pass catcher, who will be the leading receiver this season, TJ? Leading receiver, uh, ups and downs, finally going to break out, finally going to be healthy. Theo Weiss will be your leading receiver this year. A lot of attention to Marvin Mims, I think, early on, allowing Weiss to uh, pad some stats for a few weeks. And uh, I think he, in the long run, becomes the leading receiver at the end of the season. A lot of good options here. I'm hoping for him. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. There's a lot of good options here. Um, this is a pretty salty receiving core that they have put together. I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit, and I'm going to say Marvin Mims. I think that Marvin had a great freshman year and was very frustrated last year. And to the point where if there wasn't a coaching change, I think many believe Marvin would have left. And uh, we know the talent's there. I think that they will... Not only is he good enough to do it, I think they're going to make a concerted effort to feed him the football, especially early in the year. And um, I think he'll flourish in this system. So I'm going to go. I know it's the easy answer. I hope. I think. I hope you're right that Theo has a big year, whether he's the leading receiver or not. That bodes really well for this team. Good possession receiver, big size target. 
I hope Theo has a big year, but I think Marvin will be uh, the leading receiver. Okay. Leading tackler, Teach. This and most sacks were the two most difficult ones I had deciding on. Um, hold on, I don't even have a quarter in my pocket, dadgummit. I'm going to go Danny Stutzman. I had Deshaun White down third in team. I think he was third in team in tackles last year. Said, I think he'll have a big year. And I think Ted influenced me yesterday with a couple of things that he said about Danny Stutzman. So I changed oh, it. Yeah. What did he so, say? Um, he was just really high on Danny Stutzman. And he was one of the guys that he thought could lead the team in tackles. And I said, well, Teddy's seen a practice and a scrimmage. So I'm going to change my answer. So that was one of my chicken scratches. So I'm going yeah. with Danny Stutzman. So, I mean, the first thing you got to do here is pick what position do you think the leading tackler is going to come from. And um, the, you know, safeties have been a popular answer the last few years. Pat Fields, I believe, and uh, um, Trouble Mm -hmm. uh, were near the top or at the top of the tackle numbers. And it could be again this year. But that's not ideal. You sure would like that to be a linebacker. And I think with Brent Venables, it's going to be a linebacker. I mean, I think I think we're going to go back to the days in which the linebackers are going to be the leading tacklers on this team. So then you got to figure out which one. I like your answer. I think Stutzman and maybe a Gwebu will, mm-hmm. will be louder. They'll make wow plays. And then you look down at the sheet at the end of the game, and Deshaun White's got 12 tackles. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's he's maybe not the spectacular answer or the fun answer, but he's the steady answer. So I'm going to go Deshaun White. I'm going to take the boring answer maybe perhaps, but he's the vet who theoretically should know where he's supposed to be more often, even though this is a new defense and everything. And I think Deshaun White, Stutzman may have six tackles and a forced fumble and – Breaks his arm in half and stays on the field. <laughs> right. But Deshaun had 10 tackles, and you look at the at the end, they go, really? Deshaun White had 10 tackles? Yeah, yeah. So, and like I said, that was my original answer, so I'm glad you kind of took that, and I'll stick with Stutzman, and we'll see how that goes. And hopefully they're the top sacks. two guys. Um, uh, Marcus Downs or Ethan Stripling? See what no I did Marcus there? Downs. See what I did there? Oh, I, I, I combined there's their no names Ethan. because I couldn't decide between the two of them. I'll go Marcus Stripling. I'll go Marcus Stripling. I okay. I think it's a big a Alamo either bowl. one of those guys. Jalen Redmond could be in the mix too, as far as that goes. But those two are more likely to me to lead the team. So I'll go Marcus Stripling. Harder for a defensive tackle to pull right, it off, right. like Redmond. I mean, that would be quite. I think a he did a couple of years ago. He did, but yeah, a little uh, different position. Different then. position then, yeah. Stripling coming off a monster game in the Alamo Bowl. Reggie Grimes would be a candidate here. Um, I'll take Ethan Downs. You take Stripling. I'll take the other end. Okay. Um, Hopefully those two guys, I mean, I think the ability to get pressure on the quarterback is one of the questions for this team going into the season. And obviously Ethan Downs is doing something right because they took him to 
Big 12 media days as a sophomore. So he has gone from a bit player last year, uh, uh, used as a freshman, which is saying something, but not used a ton, to a guy that has made a huge impression on this coaching staff early on. He is massive now. And the comparisons to Dan Cody are pretty obvious. So um, that's lofty, but um, I'll take the pride of Weatherford, Ethan Downs, for the sack leader on this team. All right, most impactful freshman on offense. we got to pick up the pace here a little bit. Uh, picking up the pace, I'm going to go Jake Taylor. Oh, wow. Offensive lineman. A position that I will never know whether he makes an impact or not. I'll have to hear that from other people. <laughs> but I've heard his name a lot, and yeah. his name stands out to me because of Major League, and Jake Taylor was the catcher. So um, a lot of people have been talking about Jake Taylor. I could have gone Jaden Gibson or one of the two running backs, or but I was like, ah, I'll throw out a little more unusual of a name there, so I'm going to go Jake I Taylor. I like it. I like it. I don't know what that says about what has gone on at the uh, offensive line if we've got a freshman in there. <laughs> well, locked. that's maybe, true, too. Maybe he's that just is that, true good. Too. And maybe it, that good. And we've heard that the offensive line has been tremendous. So yeah. that's probably a dumb pick. But the one of the two, the two running backs, Jaden Gibson, one of those just seemed too easy for me. So I, that's why I went that way. Um, I loved I was listening to Teddy and Gabe, and uh, Gabe asked Teddy what he thought about the quarterbacks. And Teddy goes, you know, it's just so hard for me to watch the quarterbacks when I'm watching them play. <laughs> I don't get that. I don't, my brain does not work that way. <laughs> I know. That's what I said. Oh, like he, that's... he sees things I do not see. <laughs> Who says that? Like, it's uh, that's why we make a good team, because all I see is the quarterbacks, and Teddy watches everything else on the field. So, um, Out of the box uh, pick for you. I'll take um, – I think both the running backs are, are good possibilities, but I think I'll take Jaden Gibson. I mean, you're looking at a 6'5", 6'6", wide receiver who I think Jeff Lebby will creatively find ways to get into mismatches, be it in the red zone or down the field. Uh, I think Jaden Gibson has a chance to, and Nick Anderson for that matter, both those guys will be significant contributors to this team. But Jaden Gibson, because of his size, I think could be a guy that has a big touchdown total and uh, will be the most impactful freshman on offense. How about defense, freshman? This is my most difficult answer. I, I really don't know. I, looking through, I kept trying to come up with one name. I'm just going to say one of the defensive backs, I think, will end up stepping up and having a bigger role. I wanted to say uh, Jaron Kanick, but um, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm, I'll go Robert Spears Jennings just to give you a name. Okay. Jaden Rowe back there, too. The other uh, Tulsa the other area product is about. super yeah. fast. He's a possibility. Um, I'll take the name I've heard maybe more than any other the last week, R. Mason Thomas. Yeah, he's he's got um, the name and he's got the look, man. Pass rusher who has really turned some heads. Most impactful transfer on offense. I mean, Dylan Gabriel is the obvious choice here, hopefully. That's uh, right. You agree? Yeah, I've got Dylan Gabriel down. I, I, in fact, that's the only name I wrote down. I thought that we were just doing impactful transfer. I didn't put down a defensive okay. guy. Uh, I'll tell you another guy on offense that, I mean, it's, you can't put him ahead of the quarterback, but I think Daniel Parker, the tight end from Missouri, will factor heavily into what they do on offense. I think now he's not going to have a ton of catches, 
He's going to be used as a blocker a lot, but he'll be a very valuable piece to them, I think, on offense. Uh, defensively, since you didn't pick one, I'll, I'll, I picked Jeffrey Johnson, the Tulane defensive lineman, who a tackle who I think is going to uh, probably start and definitely play a lot for them up front. Can I Walker? Maybe. Maybe Can I Walker wins that other corner position. But uh, Jeffrey Johnson, for sure, I think is going to play a lot. All right. What game worries you the most? Who do they play in the first round of the playoffs uh, to open things up? Um, uh, I heard this the I, other day on the afternoon show. They have them <laughs> opening in the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State. In my opinion, the best team they play this year on their regular season schedule is Baylor. But, man, they they, they got a great schedule in the fact. And that's usually – You love Dave I know, Miranda. I know they drop a home game, so – but their three toughest games, in my opinion, they all get at home. So I'm going to go with the boring answer and say Texas. Like, because you get K-State, you get Baylor, and you get Oklahoma answer. State at home. Texas plays over their head against I know OU, they play over their head with what happened last year. They're going to be super fired up to come out here and win that game. And it's not that I'm worried about it. It's just that you have the benefit this year of those three games that I just talked about being at home. And I just don't see at Iowa State or Nebraska worrying me as much as Texas does. So I'm going to be boring and say it's Texas on October 8th. But Baylor's the I, best team they play this year, at least of as of now that we know of going into the season. The correct answer is Alabama in the national championship game. <laughs> I hope but you're right. Keeping it to right. the regular season. I will. I'm nervous about Nebraska. I don't know if I should rank them number one or not. I just I. It is so early in the season, and there's so much it is. new. Eleven a.m. game, so and, much new. Yeah, and it's on the road, and we saw what happened last year. Um, that game makes me nervous, and maybe it shouldn't. I understand Nebraska went three and nine last year, but I also saw the Oklahoma Nebraska game last year, and I know that there is some talent on that team. I think they possibly upgraded at quarterback they've got a new offensive system um well, they know. simply learn how to finish games this year you're looking at a completely different record they were in a lot of yeah. games last year they just couldn't finish them if they played them in week six seven or eight i think i'd feel different about it but in week three first road game um that makes me a little bit irrationally nervous all right um here's your homework assignment for tomorrow tj who will be uh, the guy on both sides of the ball that nobody's talking about right now that is a major impact guy? Okay? So you can't use anybody we just talked about because nobody's talking about him right now. Make sense? Makes sense. The guy nobody's talking about both that we guys. should be talking about. That's tomorrow. We'll be back. The T-Row in the Morning Show is powered by Extreme Outdoor Equipment. Four-wheelers, side-by-sides, UTVs, travel trailers, or motorhome rentals. With two locations, I-35 at Goldsby Exit 104B and I-44 at the Newcastle Tuttle Exit 108. $899, $899, $899. That's your listing fee when you sell your home with Saxon Realty Group. They'll list your home for $899, no hidden fees, saving you thousands of dollars. Call Terry, 405-361-3380, or visit saxonrealtygroup.com. Air Comfort Solutions text line. 
Ooh, you guys got busy. Hold on here. Uh, good morning, guys. Will the ref be doing remotes from the Omni in Dallas this year for uh, Red River uh, Rivalry Weekend? Is this where the team stays? Thanks. Not where the team stays. Um, I think I can say yes. I'm pretty sure I can say yes. But there may be other things going on as well. So stay tuned for details. Mm. We'll have everything for you as soon as we have it. Um, the team definitely does not stay at the Omni. No, they, they will but not be But we the will probably be doing our shows from the Omni. Most likely, definitely Downtown. You yes. Downtown. Not yes. Las Colinas. Last year we moved it to the downtown Correct. Omni. Correct. Yeah, stay tuned. Uh, TJ, what about a little class called PE? What's going on in Norman? Two math classes, no PE. Y'all changing the name? Uh, going to <laughs> changing the name on the sign to NASA down there. Um, trust me, my kid is not happy over this either. He does have PE, but it's like only one of the nine weeks. So, um, it's one of those rotating ones. Why? I don't know. It seemed like we always had to have that. Like it was required. Right. Um, but yeah, he's got it one of the other nine weeks. He does not have it the other. Does that, that worries me a little bit because I bet over in the Tulsa area, they're doing like double PE. Because those kids are in better shape. Uh, there's no better doubt. athletes there's over no there. Doubt. Yeah, and we're worried about too much book work and not enough getting our kids physically fit. <laughs> That's right. On this side of the state, he is looking into the cross country team, so he'll stay. He'll stay in shape that way, I guess. So uh, we'll see. Huh. How that wor- we'll see. Were how you that a runner? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Okay, uh, but mom is, mom is, mom is, mom well, is. She's a walker. Yeah, she's a yeah. walker now. Uh, she's but. a walker now. Keep yeah. herself off of a walker. Um, thanks for the legacy series on the podcast. Listen to the seventy-five Missouri game yesterday. Driving from Denver mm. to Oklahoma made the trip awesome. better. That's from Annie. Ah, cool. You're welcome. Doesn't I worked hard on putting that, long, that uh, Legacy Series podcast together, Annie, so you're welcome. I uh, put a lot of time It's really that. cool, man. To go, I, we've talked about this before, but to go back and listen to games 50 years ago almost um, is just in so many ways, from a broadcast perspective to a guys-on-the-field perspective. to It's just so cool. The uh, Just the sound of it alone, just it's amazing yeah. the difference in um, – I probably. I mean, Mike Treps goes, man. I mean, he does not take a breath when he calls a game. The you can tell, John Snyder will get it. He'll get a word in every tenth snap, maybe. And even then, you can tell Treps is a little bit annoyed that he's like, he, he is he goes. I don't know how else to say it, but he got into some pixie sticks and is fantastic when he calls a game. (laughs) Uh, this text says, thanks a lot, TJ. I got up this morning proud of myself. I'm out here walking my neighborhood trying to get back in shape. Then I hear the story about your wife, realize I'm just a slacker. Carry on. It's from Southpaw Sooner. <laughs> You're not a slacker, man. That's what I do every day. I, I go on my afternoon walk. So um, He is left-handed. Ha- have at it, man. Don't, don't feel bad about yourself. You're out there, uh, You're out there moving. Uh, Notre Dame getting way too much love, this texter says. Hmm. Okay. Um, I always thought Utah was nice and underrated, but now they're getting the praise, and I don't like them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, 
let's see here. In today's betting society, most of these critics look at the betting lines as wins and losses. Okay. I don't know what that's referring back to, but some do. I mean, I get right. what they're saying. Uh, summer sucks, TJ. Hey, well, you suck. You know, don't start yelling at Loser. our listeners now, okay? Jeez. What kind of comment is that? I got chills when he called the Joe run in the fourth. It's just, it's just simple. He just simply says "Go, Joe," but there's something about it that's like, it is. It's just fantastic. It's it is chill inducing. What a what a Joe Washington is just unbelievable too, man. Dad joke of the day. Okay. What do you call a miniature horse or miniature pony with a sore throat? A miniature pony with a sore throat. A, a little, little horse. horse. A little horse. Okay. That's the first one I've got right. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of blew that one. I did. Oh, yeah. gummit. Stand up night at the improv is going to be rough now this week. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> TJ bringing <laughs> deep insights on OU football this morning. He's better at the Big Brother segments. He'd have more to say about wow. Daniel leaving or Monty dominating. Absolutely 100% true. That person wow. probably thinks that's an insult, and I take it as an absolute compliment. You are absolutely <laughs> right. We're uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable getting our football information from the guys in the morning. <laughs> like, Please could you two shut up and go back to your, your wheelhouse. Go to your doofus talk. <laughs> Leave it to the experts, okay? <laughs> Cute try. I do not argue with that at all, Texter. <laughs> uh, Nebraska hasn't I been in a bowl know. game since 2016. A loss in Lincoln would be one of the worst losses in a decade or more. No, come on now. Incorrect. They're a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Oklahoma has lost uh, games as 20-point favorites multiple times in the last decade. I understand that Nebraska hasn't been very good, but they're a less than a touchdown, OU's less than a touchdown favorite right now anyway in that game. It would not be that big of an upset. It would be a big upset, but it Vegas odds-wise, it would not be that big of an upset. After the first couple of weeks, how drastically can that spread shift going into that third game? Drastically, if Nebraska goes out there and gets pounded by Northwestern in which there's a chance Ireland, right? Or if they look great, I don't know that. I mean, I guess OU could look great, but like what they do against UTEP and just be expected uh, and not that Kent impressive. State is mm -hmm. probably not going to affect the line that much. But I mean, if they look great doing so, maybe it does. But that Nebraska Northwestern game will probably impact the line more than anything so yeah it could shuffle it could shuffle it could tighten up a little bit or it could it could get bigger i bet OU's a touchdown favorite at kickoff i bet money comes in on ou i bet they're a touchdown favorite at kickoff <laughs> this one just says texas sucks mm. hard to argue <laughs> Give me one more, and then we've got to get to number nine. Nebraska had the best 3-9 and nine team of all time last year. They finished with a total point differential of plus 63. What? what you think they put a banner up for that? I would. 
I know the person's being serious, and I agree with him. Best three and nine team of all time. That's uh, worth bragging about. But now they did. They were close in every game. They were right there. They just had no idea how to win. And I'm not. I don't know that they've learned. Um, but what of their nine losses? Eight of them were by a score or less, and the other one was a nine point loss to Ohio State. So right. Now, I'm not here to tell you Nebraska's great. I just remember the game last year they had a chance to win in Norman. And now you're going to play him in Lincoln. It just worries me. It just wor- I hope I'm wrong. I hope OU goes up there and stomps him. But it's early. Everybody's learning new systems, both sides of the ball. It just concerns me a little bit. All right, break time. When we come back, we unveil team number nine in the countdown. The Ref. Network studios are powered by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, tornado. We can help. Call 405-735-5510. The Crafty Cajun has left the building. Good evening, everyone. I'm TJ Perry Moonves, and welcome to Big Brother Coach's Edition. Brian used his dancing skills to charm the house. But his luck ran out this week after a miscommunication in the head of household room with Brent. Okay, I want to make sure that you know that you know that you know that you know that you know. We live up by another day. We live up by another day. Brent felt Brian wasn't ready for a full commitment in their plan moving forward and rallied the votes to evict Brian. Tonight, another guest goes home. But first. I'll announce to the remaining coaches they've made it to the jury. Live from the Palace on the Prairie, it's the T-Row in the Morning Show 2022 Top 25 Countdown brought to you by criminal defense attorney Carter Jennings. Get the defense you deserve with Carter Jennings Law. 405-659-7221 or visit carterjenningslaw.com. Now with today's team, here's the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. Wow, everybody left made it to jury. How about that? Only seven people in your jury on the uh, on this edition of Big Brother. We've tightened it up a little bit. But that's exciting. And um, it was tough to see Brian go. Yeah, it was a little hard to understand him there, TJ. But it was, uh, that, that's it was tough to see Cajun accent here. Yeah. Um, so here we go. Teams we've unveiled so far, Nebraska 25, K-State 24. This is the T-Row in the Morning Show Top 25 College Football Countdown brought to you by the Carter Jennings Law Firm. Ole Miss at 23, Arkansas 22, Tennessee 21, uh, Kentucky at 20. I did, any updates on the Calipari-Stoops battle up there, TJ? Did you see anything new on that yesterday? I didn't see anything new, anything new yesterday, yesterday, no. I'm sure they've uh, tried to get in contact 19. with one another. Texas 18, Wisconsin 17, Oregon 16, 15 was Oklahoma State, 14 NC State, 13 Baylor, 12 Auburn, 11 Miami, and yesterday the Bayou Bengals, the LSU Tigers came in at number 10, which brings us to today, the number nine ranked team in the T-Row in the Morning Show Top 25 College Football Countdown is... (laughs) Every year I forget about this. What? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, jeez. I'll try to edit that for uh, next season. Yeah, thank you. Hang in there, folks. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. 
<laughs> this is why they're so annoying, okay? Yeah. It is a good fight song, though. Maybe somebody should have slapped him. I don't cheat and I don't lie. I'm not going to. We're done. If that's the case. I, 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 just let me handle it. Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M Aggies come in at number nine. Oh, my goodness. You know what? As annoying as Jimbo is, we all owe him a big thank you, TJ, for making our offseason so enjoyable. He has done that. I don't know. Is Jimbo annoying or is he just fun to have? Like, is, is Jimbo in the same class as Mike Leach? He's just fun to have around or are you annoyed by him? I'm annoyed by him, but in a good way. Like, you wouldn't want to not have Jimbo. No, you want somebody though, right? like Jimbo that you can just make fun of and uh, take shots at, and that just gives you so much uh, ammunition when it comes to that. So I maybe somebody should have slapped him. Yeah. Um. Well, his Aggies come in at number nine. Uh, they beat Alabama last year, TJ. If you didn't know that, they'd be glad to tell you that. Uh. Quarterback, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between LSU yesterday and Texas A&M today. Uh, they got quality talent, big-time NFL-caliber talent all over the field. But we don't know what's going to happen at quarterback. Uh, Zach Calzada left and went to Auburn. He's the guy that quarterbacked him to a win over Alabama last year. Haynes King was their starting quarterback at the beginning of the year, then got hurt. He's back. Maybe he's going to be the guy. Max Johnson transferred from LSU to Texas A&M. It's so hard to keep track of who's where now, TJ, especially among quarterbacks. Max Johnson was okay for LSU, but not spectacular. Maybe he'll win the job. They brought in a five-star prospect, Connor Weigman. Uh, So, we're going to have Andrew Monaco, the A&M play-by-play voice, on next hour, and that's the number one question with them, too. Just like LSU yesterday, who's going to quarterback this thing? I mean, they got Devin A. Chain at running back, who is just spectacular. World-class speed, world-class sprinter at running back. They've got very good wide receivers. Now, they're going to have to rely on uh, – some young guys there, but they're very talented. Evan Stewart, uh, Moose Muhammad had a good year last year, and they are solid up front. They had a couple of freshmen that they played last year in Fathery and Foster, but they're sophomores now. They're stout across the offensive line. Uh, they are not that creative offensively. For all the love that Jimbo Fisher gets as being an offensive genius, and he won a national championship at Florida State, they're not the most creative team. They like to basically line up, run it at you, not do a lot of pre-snap movement, and just feel like their athletes are better than your athletes. And I don't know. Uh, I mean, their athletes are better than a lot of people's athletes, but they're not better than Alabama's athletes or you know, some of the other teams they're playing in the SEC that can match them. I think they could use a little more creativity offensively, and the quarterback position is a big question mark going into the year. 
Defensively, DJ Durkin runs that unit. Uh, the secondary will be among the best in the country this year. Uh, Antonio Johnson, spectacular. Uh, they got Damani Richardson back there. They've got Tyreek Chappell, Jalen Jones. Very good in the secondary. Uh, should be good on the defensive line as well, where they are stocked with five stars. Now, some of these guys like Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy, who had committed to OU, changed his commitment to Texas A&M, haven't proved it on the field yet. But they are big and talented up front. McKinley Jackson, Shamar Turner, Walter Nolan, Shamar Stewart. It's linebacker where there's a question for them on defense. They weren't great at linebacker last year, and there's a little bit of question as to who will fill those roles this season. Uh, so big picture for A&M, um, quarterback is a question, linebacker is a question, elite talent at running back, wide receiver, O-line, D-line, and secondary. It's a good team. I mean, we're talking about a, a top-10 team here, but we're talking about a top-10 team with an unproven quarterback, whoever that may be. Here's the schedule. Sam Houston win, App State win, week three they get Miami. September 17 is a big-time day in college football, by the way. Uh, They play Miami in College Station. Should be a win, but the first real good test. Mario Cristobal's coming in with a good team. That would be a fun game. It's a night game, 8 o'clock kick. Uh, We should be at home in time to see that, hopefully, TJ, because uh, OU Nebraska is at 11 a.m. that day. Then they jump into the SEC. Fascinating schedule because it starts with four straight SEC games away from home. When have you ever seen that, TJ, for any team in any conference? They play Arkansas and Arlington, so neutral site, then at Mississippi State, at Alabama, at South Carolina. They go an entire month (laughs) without a home game. They play Miami at home on September 17th, and then they don't play another home game until October 29th. What's that, like 42 days without a home game? That's going to be tough. Now they close with kind of a flurry of, of most of these games at home. Ole Miss at home. Florida, tough game at home, though. At Auburn, UMass is a break. LSU at home. And then that's it, uh, postseason after that. So they've got one, two, three, four of the last five games at home. Weird schedule, isn't it? Four straight away, then four of the last five at home. Um, They're going to lose the game in Tuscaloosa in all likelihood. They're probably going to get pounded because of the whole Nick Saban-Jimbo Fisher rivalry there. Somebody else I think is going to trip them up in that four-game stretch. I don't know if it's in Arkansas. Maybe it's a... you know, somebody like a South Carolina or somebody that you go on the road is going to. I think it's a probably a two to three. It's a two and a half loss regular season for me. I mean, we're talking about the elite now, Tej. We're up to single digits. Two to three losses is what I see in the regular season for AM this year. If they had a, an established, reliable quarterback, if they had Dylan Gabriel. This team could contend for a national championship. Um, what's another example? I'm not even talking about, uh, you know, 
Alabama's or Ohio State's quarterback. You know, if they had the the Georgia kid, this team could maybe win. For, I, but I just don't know what they have at quarterback. Maybe I'm too low on A&M. You tell me. Too high, too low, or just right. Uh, the AP, by the way, the AP and the coaches are a little higher. They've got Texas A&M uh, six in the AP, seven in the coaches poll. Yeah, and I think if they're only a two-loss team, you've got them too low. I hope you're just right because I think that means they're probably sitting at three losses at the end of the year. I, My dream, dream scenario for A&M this year is they stumble in that game against Miami. Miami gets them. It's possible. They go to Arlington. Woo Pig, Arkansas gets them. And it's then possible. some things get away from them. They go on the road to Mississippi State. It they unravels. go on the road to Alabama. They go on Boosters the road to South Carolina. They got Mississippi, but it's at home. I would love the scenario of six straight losses, potentially eight when you're talking that Florida-Auburn games. So I, I think you got them just slightly low, and that's a, just hang a on, massive dream for me that they lose eight straight. But I think it's possible, too, if things get out of control for them. So. We don't want A&M to contend for a national championship. No, not at all. However, you also don't want them to be so bad that they fire Jimbo Fisher before Oklahoma <laughs> gets into the conference. Why? Because he's going to be fun to have around. He's fun for our profession. Huh. He'll still be around somewhere. If probably he's be, got ranches. Probably be the coach at Texas. Wow, wouldn't that be fantastic? I guess then he'd be still be in the that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so uh, Texas A&M at number nine. Andrew Monaco, <laughs> Stupid song. their play-by-play voice, joins us in the uh, 8 o'clock hour, 8.20 this morning. He'll educate us up more on the Aggies. We'll be back. T-Row and TJ, they cold. This is the T-Row in the morning show. Toby and TJ back with you. For a short second, because Toby does not know when to quit talking. Jeez. This hour brought to My you bad. by Saxon Realty Group, home of the $899 listing fee. Call Terry or Jackie Saxon, 405-361-3380 or saxonrealtygroup.com. You got anything to add before we hit the top of the hour? Uh, No. Uh, two lost team last year. Nobody had three losses until number 11 in the rankings. How about so, that? Uh, How about that? Michigan State was number nine last year, two losses. OU had two losses. They were number 10. Notre Dame, two losses. They were number eight. So I think two losses could land you down there. But in the SEC, it could be different for sure. So top of the hour, we'll be back.